Okay. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Can you hear me okay? Perfect. Now I just have to try to not bump this cord. Okay. All right. Uh, well, fun stuff. Fun I found stuff. a charger for my phone. Oh, well, that's convenient. It appears to be charging faster than it. That's that's definitely a plus. Also a but, plus. Uh, I'm going to have to keep it the screen off, so I will not be seeing your outline. Okay. But, you know, I feel prepared. <laughs> Good. I totally feel prepared. Thank you for uh, doing this with me. Hopefully it doesn't kick off here in 15 <laughs> seconds. Should we should we wait for that one minute marker and, and I think just so. to be sure? All right, here it comes. Oh man, fingers crossed. Four, three, two, one. Hey, I'm still okay. here. We're still here. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to inch and have to figure out how to edit the past minute out. <laughs> All right. Going. All right, you ready? Good to go. I just did thumbs up and realized you couldn't see me. All right. Welcome to One More Thing, a bonus podcast episode from My Seminary Life, where we get to dig into our most recent conversation a little more deeply. If you want to check out the most current episodes of MSL, you can find the show on whatever your favorite podcast platform is every Saturday morning. Today, we are continuing our conversation on ecclesiology, that is the study of the church. And I thought it would be a really good idea to bring someone in who knows a thing, a thing or two about ecclesiology, about ecclesia. And so I turned to Joshua Knoll. Josh is one of my many co-hosts over at Systematic Geekology, but he also has a podcast called The Whole Church Podcast. And Josh, it seemed like low-hanging fruit to have you on since you <laughs> talk about the church. So thanks for coming on here, buddy. Uh, hey, thank you. I uh, I spend most of my week talking about the church, and I'm like, hey, this is just uh, getting to do it with, uh, you know, I'd say we've become good friends. I call you my good friend, and I don't think you take offense, so I, I'm going to roll with it. I don't, and I appreciate that. It's you and Joe and a lot of the other guys, guys and gals over at Geekology are some of my few friends who I've never met in real life. I've never had just purely digital friends before so this is different yeah I, I have the same thing and it's so weird because i'm like well we're gonna tie this in i figured it out but it's okay. so weird because sometimes i legitimately just it, it dawns on me that i haven't met you guys i'm like you know i feel like uh -huh. i have though because i was I uh i was talking to will because um i live in charlotte and uh, pastor will lives in raleigh he also co-hosts part of systematic ecology with us mm -hmm. and we were thinking about going to a Hurricanes game. And I said, hey, while I'm there, I might stop by your church. And he's like, yeah, it'd be great to finally meet. And I'm like, I've been talking to him a little bit longer than the rest of you guys. You okay. Know, he's been pod part of the whole church a couple times before then. Okay. Like, Have we not met him? Have I never seen him in person? Like, it, Interesting. it's kind of mind-boggling, really. I had always assumed that you knew. I mean, you did know Pastor Will previous to Geekology. But I had always assumed, like, you... You did know each other personally before that. Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> it's just one of those where I'm like, oh, I guess we we don't. It just really seems like it. All right. Uh, which begs the question. 
because uh, you know you know this is the problem when you have other podcast hosts on they ask you questions right uh-huh. begs the question of how can we and can we have true ecclesia online Ooh, that is that is one of the big questions right now isn't it with that with the the world that we live in now because you know you can blame it on covid if you really want to but honestly like we were going to get to this point anyway of digital media church for lack of a better word don't you think yeah i'm much like thanos it was inevitable yes Um, or tj yeah yeah yeah. um that was that was that was just a great reference um for for those listening we have a group me of all of our hosts where we just kind of talk plans and stuff and we all have different nicknames uh tj named himself tiberius the inevitable on there so you know naturally i am joshua the evitable which i'm still not sure if that's actually a word or not but it did make me laugh when i first joined the uh group yeah I'm, I'm not sure either but i was preventable you guys just chose not to <laughs> um, he is totally preventable <laughs> love it oh yeah but i um as far as going back to the question of online church i yeah it, it's funny because i think i would have been on the other end of this a few years ago Okay, because it's true. Usually when we see online church with air quotes, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, churches throwing up sermons, throwing up, you know, different things online Mm -hmm. and trying to make it happen. But you never get that same sense of community, which is where the argument of no, we have to be in person comes from. But I really do feel like at least amongst the hosts with systematic ecology, we have a true community. And and it's one of those that Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us tried to have a community or anything. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah. Our one group chat, the main one that we're all a part of, like, yes, that's where a lot of important information sometimes get funneled into, but really that's just one of us will say, Hey, did you see this Super Bowl ad? Hey, has anyone, is anyone watching this show on Netflix? Uh, here's a meme, you know, just it's our own little private conversation of brothers and sisters in Christ fellowshipping and having fun and having good conversations, which yeah, it's kind of what kind we do in the of, church. Yeah, kind of the point of that podcast, too, which is funny because we were like, we sure. can help other people do it. And I don't know. I, I guess I didn't realize we were going to help ourselves do it as well. Right. And, and it's, yeah. It's interesting because along the way, it, it you know, it's not just, hey, look at the Super Bowl ad. Stuff comes out and, you know, we have without, you know, giving anybody away. We have like different group texts that came out of that where, you know, some of us mm-hmm. who deal with mental health. We'll talk to each other about that because we realize, hey, we sure. all have this thing in common. And there's like different sects that form. And you know, we could talk about cliques and how they're bad all day, but they always happen. That's just a nap humans. When you sure. have a shared, hey, this is something that ills me. You, you know what I mean? Like, this is a mm-hmm. concern of mine that you share. Um, C.S. Lewis, and this is fun because this gets to the point of the church, right? Sure. Um, C.S. Lewis, he in The Four Loves, my favorite book. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's talking about friendship and how friendship is always about something. Okay. You, it's like a romance love. It's, you know, you're trying to get near each other. Family is just from association. Friendship, he says, is when you both say, oh, you see too, right? And hmm. I think a lot of us have had that moment. Uh, there's a quote that I don't know. So let me botcher it. Where okay. C.S. Lewis, is, he says something like, um, if you want to be friends with a warrior, you fight with them. A poet, you 
I, I don't I don't remember what you do with the poet. I I don't want to be friends with poets apparently. Maybe um, write with write with yeah. them. That's totally what you yeah. do with the poet. Sure, sure. You know, um, readers you read together, singers sing mm. together, uh, and then he says Christians worship together. It's like if you want to be a friend mm. with a Christian, you worship together, and it, it's always this thing like that, that it is about something. Yeah, and okay. I think that is where the church is really the church. It's not listening to a sermon or going to church and checking it off your you know to do list. It's a sure. No, no, I see this truth that. You know, we need to be more concerned with kingdom work, what that looks like in mm -hmm. our world, how we're making a difference. Brandon, Joe, TJ, Will, all these other guys are seeing that. And so mm -hmm. we talk about it. And more specifically, you know, we get into like mental health and it's I see this as a concern. The church isn't that plagued with. And I mean, I'm sure everyone on the group probably would agree with that, but it's more important to some of the other ones. So then we get together and we discuss it and we make sure. a point of it together. And that's the church. Yeah, man, this is already going great. I that is the yeah, church, though. We worship together. <laughs> well, you know what? I brought you on for a reason, and I want that type of stuff. So, backtracking a little bit, though, I'm I'm curious because I actually don't know some of these questions. I, I don't know the answer to some of these questions. I know the questions. I don't know the answers to <laughs> some of these questions. So, just to get the audience acquainted with you, Josh. Um, people know systematic ecology because systematic ecology lives rent free on this my seminary life socials because <laughs> um, i'm so involved but yes. for whole church podcast what is the whole church podcast and the question i don't know the answer to is why did you start this show so there is a lifelong answer to that so, okay um, this just became a five-part I'm, just, I'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding um growing up though I, i'm trying to word this carefully i don't want to offend anybody or anything because you know that that kind of defeats my purpose with most mm -hmm. things um but you know growing up it's i was aware that you know they're not real christians um baptists believe once saved always saved so they just sin all the time they're not real christians and kind of <laughs> It was kind of just this attitude, even if no one really believed it, there was just this general attitude that we are the real Christians, you know, mm -hmm. and those other churches are out there and they all have bad theology and we don't like them. And okay. as a kid, I was just like, cool, that must mean everyone I like is Pentecostal. <laughs> that just must be how things <laughs> are. Um, and what's funny is even growing up, you know, there's books and stuff that people read even in our church. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't till probably about the time I, I was like later in high school that I realized people like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were in fact not Pentecostals. And I'm like, they are, why are we very, to these guys. They are very much not Pentecostal. Yeah, not, not even close. <laughs> really. Like uh, Lewis was Anglican, right? And, and yeah. Tolkien was Catholic. I know that one. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, that's um, guys, this isn't. And what's hilarious about that is even to this day, a lot of the people that, you know, taught me growing up, if I mention an anglican they're still like well i don't know if you should be getting involved with anglicans and i'm like but you read c.s lewis right. <laughs> uh, guys there's a something something wrong here um, right and i don't know it wasn't just that it was you okay. know i went to college and this is uh, you guys get to see some of my flesh in action here okay i went to college and i was hungry a lot i was very mm -hmm. often hungry and i know I like my church, but uh, 
the church that was Pentecost that was my denomination in the area was like 40 minutes away. I don't have a car when I start college. I certainly sure. don't have gas money for when I did get a car. It was like a Grand Cherokee 91, 95 something. <laughs> did not have gas money to drive 40 minutes to church for that. Right. But hey, the Baptists are having a cookout this evening. I think I could be Baptist for an <laughs> evening, right? Right. Um, and then the Catholic campus ministries had breakfast every Wednesday. And there you go. I was like, I mean, I've got to go there. They had pizza every other Friday or something. And nice. I, I still, to this day, uh, Sister Rose, who's the Catholic nun who was over that organization, mm-hmm. I asked her so many questions about Catholics because, you know, you have to, in order to get the free food, you have to sit in for some of the lessons and stuff. And I was like, wait a minute. Sure. This sounds awfully Christian to me. <laughs> so I asked her all like hundreds of questions. She tells the story of how like at this breakfast it would I would just immediately sit down at the bar while she was making breakfast and start spinning off questions because like okay, so someone told me you guys pray to Mary that she's your God or something. <laughs> <laughs> Could you straighten this out for me, please? I was like, is that is that a thing? It's cool if it is. You're giving me gravy. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know, it, it was just more of a curiosity thing because I was realizing uh, some of what I've been led to think just wasn't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really that passionate about it. I was just kind of curious. Um, uh, then I had um, some tragic stuff. It, it involved another person, so I don't want to say exactly what happened, but um, okay, a, a tragic thing in a relationship happened that uh, ended up where we. Me and this girl I was seeing had to break up. Neither of us mm. really wanted to. It was just the way things, you know, cookie crumbled, whatever. Sure. And I was just so angry at God. Like, I was mad. Um, mm. and, and I was, you know, emotionally distraught and all this stuff. I ended up dropping out of school for a while because my grades when I was going through this were not great, believe it or not. Mm. And I was home and didn't see anybody, wanted nothing to do with anyone. I had two friends that came to see me and they basically drug me out of the house or I'm not sure I would have ever left my house. I see. Um, but in that time, because I was mad at God and because of the type of person I am, if I can't intellectually comprehend something, I feel like I just can't make myself believe something or do something. Mm-hmm. So I took it upon myself to prove the Bible wrong. I was like, yeah, I could probably do that in my spare time. Right. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I, I, swear, I read the entire Bible all the way through a few times a month. And naturally, I found plenty of things that seemed like they contradicted. And I was like, mm, I don't know if this this thing works. And I could have very easily let that go and say, oh, see, here's a contradiction. Here it says mm-hmm. that, uh, what was it, the end of Second Kings or something, it says that uh, the Israel was defeated because of its king. And the other one says that Israel was defeated because of the people. Oh, uh, well, can't get its story uh, okay. straight. I clearly don't need to believe this Bible thing. I guess or, um, I, I think there's a, I think the other one was like there's a sacrifice in Exodus where they're told you can do the sacrifice anyway, but you can't smoke it. And then in Deuteronomy, the same sacrifice is you can only smoke it. And just little stuff like that, that I was like, OK, okay this is a contradiction. OK, and I you're finding all that. these like technicalities. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to use this to be like, yeah. This is my out. But I couldn't quite get there because I was like, if it's really that simple, I feel like this Christian thing wouldn't have lasted this long. Okay. Which led me to read some books on hermeneutics and how you read the Bible. 
And I was like, man, I have just been reading this thing wrong this whole time. And I um, ended up going to Charleston Southern University. I had some other professors kind of nudge me more into the Bible and stuff. And my passion really was hermeneutics. It wasn't church unity or denominations or anything like that. But when you are reading the Bible correctly and you're really studying the whole thing and I am a geek. I have too much time on my hand and I get way too into the things that I like. But when it's the Bible, it turns out that it's okay to geek out about that. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I I took up the practice of reading the Bible once a month. And the more I like get into studying it and I'm seeing it, and I'm like, the entire narrative of this Bible is actually God bringing all the people together into himself. Okay. And it was really funny. I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard someone challenge the idea of a personal savior and said, hey, find that in the Bible. And as someone who was reading it once a month, I was like, uh, it's not there. Mm. And that really got me into this thought of if it's not actually about a personal thing, what is it about? And it's a uh, God wants to bring me into himself and he wants to bring me into his people. It is about okay. being united with the church is a fundamental part of what it means to be saved. And once I realized that, and all of a sudden, everything hit me, right? Going back to my childhood oh, okay. of yeah, Catholics yeah. aren't really Christian. This isn't really that. These people are sinning all the time. And me going, oh, my goodness, we've got it so wrong. <laughs> it's like waking <laughs> up in a backwards world or, you, you know, like one yeah, of those yeah. terrible things where someone wakes up and they're like, what happened to the world? And I'm like, right, oh, yeah. Was genuinely distraught. <laughs> huh. And um, some some things happen from there that are more on the business end of things okay i basically we had a podcast once upon a time that was more or less about hermeneutics oh that whole thing stopped once i got in my accident and then afterwards uh, i mentioned because we still had the website we were like blogging and um we we mentioned on one of the blogs that the reason we don't do the podcast anymore is because my mic was in my car when i got into my car accident and someone just sent oh. me a mic, and I was like, "Well, I guess we should do a podcast again." <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's how we get the whole church podcast. And uh, longtime listeners might know the first couple episodes, TJ wasn't going to be a part of it. He just happened to be. He visited me a lot at that point in time. Okay. And um, what's funny though, he was around so often that even though he's not on the podcast like you can't hear him those mm-hmm. first couple episodes he was present for them oh okay he was just kind of sitting there listening and eventually i was like hey why don't you just uh pick up a mic and join us man and uh well, now he's yeah. the better co-host and somehow i upstaged myself by inviting him in well good for you you yeah. got a better co-host out of the deal that is yeah. so interesting josh that basically your testimony is how you get to the whole church podcast I did not anticipate that whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I didn't anticipate it either until someone asked me uh, sometime last year, somebody asked me and I was like, how did I okay. get to the whole church podcast? I was like, Oh, Oh, it's just a whole, like it is the entire story. That's why it doesn't like a lot of things don't happen in like a single moment, you know? Sure. It's, yeah. And it's just, once you reflect and you realize, Oh, it's been building to this the whole time. <laughs> Yes, that's interesting. So then Whole Church is a church unity podcast, correct? Yes. So what does that even mean? Um, 
<laughs> it is a podcast who that originally my goal was to unite the church because you know Jesus says um Jesus' only prayer that we have a part in answering is that his church be united. And he says that okay. his followers will be known by their love for one another. And okay. um so I was like, we're gonna unite the church. And then a few episodes in I realized actually that's not biblical. Um, biblically, we're already united, even if we're not aware of it. So we're maintaining the unity of the church is something you'll hear okay. me say a lot on there. Um, and it's just more or less trying to help people see that a lot of your misconceptions aren't true. Okay. And to understand where the church is, how we where we are united, you know, where do we agree with one another? Um, believe okay. it or not, Catholics don't worship Mary. Uh, and... This is something that actually I didn't know before starting the show, but uh, Catholics mm -hmm. do believe you are saved by faith alone. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's something that I just did not realize. Uh, they they believe that it, it, it's interesting. Basically, to get nuanced into the theology part, it's sure they believe you're saved by faith alone, but that faith is expressed in your works, and that's how you know you're saved. Whereas. Mm -hmm. We basically believe you're saved first by faith alone, and then afterwards works will happen. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, both agree that you're saved because of the faith and that works will happen. I don't think it matters sure. that much what order it occurs in. And for the church to be this divided because we're – you think that works happen during salvation and we think after salvation. That's a silly reason to be this divided. Yeah, and it also – like it's baffled me a little bit on the whole Catholics are a work-based salvation, which every denomination is going to have some people in it who are going to be more works-based. First off, you look at any more fundamental Baptist church, they are very much legalistic performance-based. But on the Catholic side, Matt Marr is a Catholic and he wrote the song, Your Grace is Enough. Like, what more do you want? This is a Catholic individual who has written a song that is all about God's grace being sufficient for our salvation. Yeah. And not the, our works. Yeah. Now, one, one thing that I, I personally find interesting is a lot of the flip side to, you know, for a lot of us Protestants, you know, you, it's easy to fall into this legalism of thou shalt not, right? Uh, Christians don't yes. drink. Christians don't cuss. We don't do this. We don't do that. The Catholics, it's almost flipped. Where, um, because of what, well, what I'll say is because of their sacrifice. Um, okay. Which I'm not saying is a good or bad thing, but a lot of times that gets viewed as if I do these things, then I made up for the wrong that I did. Okay. Rather than don't do these things, it becomes a, well, I mess up every Thursday, so I'd go do charities on Friday. You know, it's not like a schedule like that, but you, you know what I'm I saying, right? It's, it's more yes. of like that sacrament leads more people to fall into the trap of I can do things to make up for it. And okay. that's easy to criticize until you realize that our side, it's doing things so that I don't have to make up for it. Basically, Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Over on the Protestant end, we are very much just avoid everything. Yeah. Just avoid it. Just avoid everything, which is where, you know, systematic ecology kind of turns into a little bit of this hot, button type of show for some Christians where we are intentionally wrestling with average ordinary pop culture media and seeing where truths or philosophies or heresies are coming up and we talk about it in a way that's not just condemning it 
Yeah. And what's funny is some of my favorite points in systematic ecology, I think, get right at the point of um, and, and this is an important thing of church. I'm not I don't feel like we're getting off topic with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I said neither of these lines. Uh, Kino early on, there was an episode where Kino Kennedy was on and okay. um, he, he's a reverend in the AME Zion church. He said um, he's talking about anime and how people condemn anime because Sometimes there's nudity and there's violence and all this stuff. And he said, uh, have you read your Bibles? Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I remember like, that. Yeah, and I was like, that's so true. If the Bible would, uh, A, the Bible would make a great anime. B, mm-hmm. if it were, none of us would be allowed to see it. That's, <laughs> you know? That is absolutely right. <laughs> uh, and then the other one, I, I got to be on this episode at, at least, uh, when me and you were doing the How I Met Your Mother episode. Oh, Okay you were bringing up the Psalms and, you know, grieving and how mm-hmm. to grieve well and stuff and how, and, and I think it's just important to realize that the Bi- that the Bible was not afraid of the culture the Bible was in. It references mm-hmm. Greek, Greek gods, different myths throughout it. Mm-hmm. Um, it references, I, I, it, it talks about killing babies when you're mad. You know, the Bible talks mm-hmm. about that. The Bible talks about affairs, nudity. I mean, mm-hmm. the well, Bible is not like a the, PG book. Yeah, well, looking at, like, cultural stuff, Leviathan was totally the Loch Ness Monster belief of the day, you know? Oh, yeah. And um, I'm trying to remember where it was, but there is a... So in one of the Psalms, it says that the earth was created when God slayed the Leviathan, when he split the Leviathan in two. Okay. And there is, a, I wish I could remember the culture, but there is one of the ancient cultures had a mythology that their God killed the Leviathan and, and from its guts came everything. And basically the Hebrew psalmist was like, haha, it wasn't your God. It was our God. Interesting. So leveraging those cultural stories for yeah. a proper yeah. theology. Whereas a lot of times the church today, if they don't listen to systematic ecology, might fall into this whole, um, well, you know, we can't reference Pokemon. That's pocket demons. We can't reference that in a sermon. Oh, no. And I'm like, no, oh, you uh, cannot. Uh, the Bible kind of does that, though, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so so over the course of how long has this show even been around? I don't know. How long is whole church been around? Or the whole church? Whole church. Okay. Whole church. I know how long um, Sis Mag's been around. <laughs> like you were there. Um, yes, I was. That. Oh, I do have an answer for this. Wow. Um, it was like <laughs> a little over three years now. Yeah. Okay. So I, in the past three. No, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I just, the only reason I remembered is we started like the year that I got engaged. So I was like, I oh, got okay. married two years ago. So it's been three years, three years. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So in the past three years, I know you've talked to a number of different churches and denominations. I know you've talked to uh, Lutheran, very liturgical Lutheran ministers like Pastor Will. You've talked to house church people. I believe you've said before you've talked to a Mormon family even, correct? That was honestly one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> the- so in... Oh, go ahead. No, I want to hear about the, the only unfortunate thing was it was before I figured out some of this sound equipment and editing stuff. So the quality isn't excellent on that episode, but okay. the content is very interesting and very amusing. Yeah. Amusing. I'll have to go look for that one. Yeah. In all of these conversations with all these different 
churches, denominations, perspectives on how we do church. Have you taken away anything that has influenced your walk with Jesus? Like you had a conversation with somebody who's definitely not Pentecostal and you said, I want that to be a part of my walk. I actually, I, um, and I guess this is kind of strange. So I have recently, I felt that God was calling me to a church closer to my area. I've been traveling around 30 ish minutes to go to church. And I was like, I feel like God wants something a little bit more local. And okay. because, you know, I have relationships with pastor will and a few others, I was willing to visit churches that I don't think I would have visited otherwise. So right now okay. I'm attending a Lutheran church. I still consider myself Pentecostal. That's probably confusing for people, but it's okay. But it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say that, and then okay. just kind of understanding, I mean, e even things at, like uh, women's ordination. Uh, growing up in okay. Pentecostal church, that's just always been a thing. Okay. And because I never heard the argument from the other side, a lot of times it just came off as the other side is just kind of, you know, they don't believe that women are equal to men because God created men first and better, you know, and, okay. <laughs> and I've always just taken that as, wow, those churches stink. Well, and that's actually, interesting because I grew up, I grew up Baptist. So I was a part of this, that world and the world you're a part of, you're just a bunch of liberals who don't know better. I mean, that's basically the answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now um, we, we've had several episodes on where we talked about whether women can teach men or not. And okay. was really to two pastors from our denomination who were women. And then the next week we visited. Um, what is that? Is that Furman University? I want to say anyway, but uh, okay. the leader of their women's ministry and that's a Baptist university. So she didn't believe in women being head pastors. So we okay. talked to her with the exact opposite perspective the very next week and it was like hey that was pretty cool and just kind of realizing there is scriptural basis i feel like for both sides of whether women can teach sure uh, then more recently we were doing church office series right now so we kicked we wanted to okay. kick it off with a discussion of which offices women can hold and there's this whole conversation in high liturgical church that we would have never even thought of because hmm. to them the priests, the ordained people, are performing as Christ because the whole service is supposed to be symbolic, right? Okay. And for them, it's a big deal to have a woman, a woman doing that because Jesus wasn't a woman. And I was like, oh man! So it's like uh, if Peter Parker was casted as a female, and I'm like, okay, I—that's just a perspective <laughs> I would have never had to think about if I wasn't doing this. Interesting, huh? I'll have to think about that one. Has that episode come out yet? I know you guys are doing it that church office series right now. The day before we're recording this. So it just came out. Oh, okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I So I do the traveling preaching. I've been doing that for eight years now. And I have been in very Southern Baptist churches. I've been in Methodist churches, uh, Christian Reformed Church. Um, uh, what was the one? enterprise baptist i've been in an enterprise baptist church and you can make all the star trek jokes you want about that one um <laughs> and doing that and just seeing how different people do sunday morning differently has given me 
perspective of like, so if I do ever become a pastor, what do I like <laughs> and what do I never want to ever see again? And so I kind of get that a little bit of this. Um, you're talking about being open enough to try out a Lutheran church for a period of time. Just this idea of what can we glean from other denominations to help us worship God? Going back to this um, point you raised at the beginning from C.S. Lewis, that Christians worship together. So what are these other churches doing that promotes worship, even if it does come from different backgrounds? It's, it's a fascinating mental exercise to play. Yeah, I, um, I'm trying to be careful, but uh, so one thing I learned really is that any type of worship can be done poorly. Mm-hmm. And any theology, regardless of how biblical and how solid and how good it is, can be misused. That doesn't make it wrong, okay. but it can be misused is something I learned. And uh, yeah. one, one thing that was really interesting, and th- this is just a fun tidbit, and again, trying to be careful, not trying to, you know, whatever. Um, we sure. had a guest on the first time we talked to a Lutheran pastor. And this okay. is why it, it actually took us a long time to do it again, because it ended up being very not productive towards our goals. Not saying oh. you know, it was bad or good or anything, but okay. he had said that division is good because it's like when you break a stick and the more you break it, the harder it gets to break. So we just keep dividing. And every okay. answer he had throughout the whole thing was how that actually started from Luther, Lutheran, everyone should become a Lutheran. And oh, okay. It, it, you know, we kept that episode up. Um, I still think he had useful things to say that educated mm-hmm. people about who Luther was and what his church does. It's a huge Lutheran church here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. But it, it was a, okay, so Lutherans don't want unity was sort of my takeaway from that. Sure, sure. <laughs> then I talked to Pastor Will and I'm like, I, I feel like he's just as passionate about that as I am. And I'm like, I, okay. So it's not necessarily the theology that leads to these things sometimes. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, going up Pentecostal, you hear about how Catholics are bad and all this because of the high liturgical mm-hmm. and it's all just rehearsed and they're just repeating empty phrases kind of deal. Sure. And, okay. You know, that's one thing where I was like, okay, I'm okay with them being Christians, whatever, but I wouldn't attend their church. Mm-hmm. Then I see other churches that are Pentecostal, do the fun, crazy worship stuff that we do. And I've attended and been like, there is no spirit here. These people are either just acting or like, I don't know what's going on. It just felt like a rock concert. It didn't feel like the spirit okay. was there. And then I have visited churches that did liturgy that felt very empty and like we were just rehearsing. But mm-hmm. at the Lutheran church I've been visiting, they're doing it and the spirit is so strong and all we're really doing Mm. is reading off a paper. (laughs) That's awesome. And it's just one of those where I'm like, I I feel like the key to worship, the key to all of this is actually your heart. Are you repeating this phrase because you really believe what's on this paper? And what's fun is part of their reason for doing it that way is we know that all of these other churches with the same liturgy are saying the same thing. So in a way that is how we practice our unity. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful. Whereas, um, the other church I visited, I don't want to say denomination because I don't want to pick on anybody that did liturgy. Okay. Or it was very empty. It was like they didn't mention all that at all. It really felt like they had a checklist and they were going through it. Okay. They were hitting their marks. Yeah. And I think both are accurate. And growing up Pentecostal, I never thought, never thought that I'd be like, yeah, I'm getting some of the best worship I've ever experienced by reading off this paper here. 
<laughs> you, you know what I mean? Sure. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, I'm, I dabble in the liturgical stuff for my own personal uh, spiritual growth and fellowship. And to me, this stuff I, has maintained its relevancy for a reason, not just because people are rehearsing it week after week after week, but because it does lead to worship. It does lead people to think differently about Christ, about themselves, about the world. And it's a powerful tool in how we can grow in our sanctification. Yeah. Um, just thinking of like a real specific example. There, there was one that was, we were praying for the people on the front lines during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And just this idea that we are saying this prayer and hundreds of other Lutheran churches are saying it at the same time, you know, and we're all yeah. agreeing in the spirit, you know, Christ said where two or three come together and agree in my name, we're all agreeing in the spirit, this thing. And I'm like, that is just so powerful. Yeah. And um, I, I guess it. my takeaway would be, don't be afraid of liturgy. And also don't mm-hmm. be afraid to do the wild Pentecostal worship service. Both. I would love mm-hmm. to see a church that was capable of doing both as the spirit led. Yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. It'd I'm trying to picture that now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll all, we'll so, have to get together and create it. <laughs> try it. Yeah, we're gonna try and create it. So, in all of your conversations with these different churches, you know, the, this previous episode that we had on my seminary life, it was all about what is the church. Just looking at scripture plainly, like what is the church? In all of your conversations with these different denominations, what is the church? And what is the mission of the church? The church is very simply, the church is the body of Christ. And, okay. Um, and, and, and I guess it's also more than that. Uh, if you really, one of the most powerful statements about the church from Jesus, uh, he was talking to his disciples, but because of the Greek tense of the verbiage that he used and everything, I believe it still applies to the church today. And he okay. said, you will do greater things than even I. And I'm thinking about, you know, the Jesus who calmed the storms, who walked on water, the Jesus Mm -hmm. who healed the blind. And I'm thinking, wow, the church, not only should it be doing all that, but it should be doing more than all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's because the church isn't, you know, me and you, we, we aren't the church. The spirit in us allows us to be part of the church, if that makes sense. Um, yes, I think when we neglect the Holy Spirit, we have a a bad theology. B, we're not saved, and C, terrible ecclesiology. Um, <laughs> I think the whole and of course, you know, I just told everybody I'm coming up Pentecostals, so and they're all like, "Of course he'd say that," but <laughs> I, I'm completely serious. Um, you know, I, I cannot recommend highly enough. Francis Chan has a book called Forgotten God, and okay. Man, and it, and it's not about speaking in tongues and doing all the spiritual gifts. That's not Francis Chan. That's not what he's about. No, but it's about no. being the church, and it's about really believing that the Spirit of God is in us. I mean, there's some crazy stuff that we believe that doesn't make sense when you put it in that context. Um, after my car mm. accident, I was told that I might never hike or run again. Right, mm. and I ironically, this is the first time I read Forgotten God. I managed to hike up a mountain and I oh, heard, wow. I accepted, Hey, I I'm able to do this. God was very gracious. 
but I'll never run. For some reason, I just accepted that I'll never run again. Really? You could get up the mountain, but the running part yeah, was... Like, that'll never okay. happen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I still still kind of have a limp sometimes when I try and be too strenuous. Even today, okay. I still kind of have a limp. But um, okay. I what's funny is I got to the top of this mountain, barely... And I opened the book and I started reading it. And like in the first chapter, he's like, uh, we believe the Holy Spirit's in us. We say that we literally have God in us. And then we turn around and we say, well, the church can never really be united. You know, that's not capable of in this hmm. world because we'll always have these disagreements. And you said the thing that created everything is inside you and you don't believe we could get along. Or, hmm. you know, you don't believe yeah. that your illness will go away or... You don't believe in miracles, but you believe the God of the universe is yeah. inside you. And it, it, it was. I was reading for chair going, wow, that really is absurd. And then, you know, looking back on it now, especially, I'm like, man, I believe that, that you know, I survived an accident where the other guy's lawyer said it was a miracle I survived. Wow. I managed to hike up a mountain and still was holding on to some piece of doubt. And I'm like, well, why? God proved himself so strong. And I'm like, why am I doubting right now? And huh. I think when we truly believe that God is in us, mm -hmm. that's when we are the church. And the church okay. is meant to be doing the acts of Christ in the world today and mm -hmm. meant to be a light in the world, you know, be salt and light, all that good stuff. And I, I think the way that looks practically is when we are out and we're, A, we should have greater unity than anyone else in the world because that's how they're going to know that the church is legit is when we love each other. And mm -hmm. B is when we are out. And again, this is a Pentecostal answer, but when the church <laughs> is out there feeding the hungry, healing the blind, healing the sick, um, praying for our neighbors, regardless of how mm -hmm. much we disagree with them, bringing peace into politics. I'll say it. All these things that we think are impossible. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. And that's what the church is. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check out Forgotten <clears throat> Forgotten God at some point. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet. Um, yeah, no, I can't. I cannot say anything more towards what you just said, man. Like, even if it was the Pentecostal answer, like, I totally agree that the church is supposed to be out there being the hands and feet of Christ. And it, the kingdom of God is supposed to be affecting every area. And the church is supposed to be affecting every area um and yeah i think of in the book of acts where the uh, apostles are doing the daily distribution of food and there's a group of people who are being neglected they're not getting their distribution of food and they come to the apostles and say hey what's the deal here and whenever i do my bible studying sometimes I like to ask the question, what doesn't happen? What is not being said here? And what the apostles don't do is that they don't say, well, tough break, try and get in line tomorrow closer, <laughs> you know, which would be a very American answer. And they also don't say, okay, how can we efficiently ourselves? They go and they make the decision it is best that we continue to be available to preach and teach and pray. Let's find more people who are, and the, ver the passage says, filled with the Holy Spirit 
and are wise and of good report. Let's get some of these people. They can take care of the distribution. We can focus on the preaching and teaching. And that's where you get the call of Stephen eventually as the punchline of that story. And it ends with it saying that the food was distributed. The gospel was preached. They, people saw the God, the love of Jesus being on display. They heard about the love of Jesus through the teaching and the church added more disciples. Like that is what we're supposed to be doing. We don't have to take everything upon ourselves, but we need to be, if anything, thinking critically, being led by the Holy spirit to affect the lives of others through preaching and serving. Yeah, can I uh, can I provide a little bit of history and maybe a word of discouragement? Go ahead. I'm feeling <laughs> negative today. Um, so, so first, th- this is something fascinating that you guys have to do your research on for this one. It- it's extra biblical. Um, James, the brother of Jesus, mm-hmm. is in more of our archaeological digs, findings, all of the history books. There is more on James than there is Jesus. Hmm. And it is because he was known as James the Generous in Jerusalem. Okay. And they did so much good in that city that it was just impossible for it not to be talked about. Huh. And in fact, it's said that not not the Christians, but part of what happened with the revolt against Rome was Jewish response to when the Romans killed James. Because everybody was hmm. just so angry hmm. because that was the life of the city. And I, the, if Jesus had fed the 5,000 by, you know, well, we collect what we have and everybody gets a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he did it by ordinary human means and they just, you know, they did with what they had. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have made it to the Bible. <laughs> No, and it wouldn't have said anything <laughs> to anybody about who he was. Sure. The thing is, I, I firmly believe, and this is my word of discouragement. Okay, so first, let me preface with: if you, if your choice is do nothing, or do something, always do something. Okay. I want to preface that, but if it is your, you know, twenty to fifty person church helping at the soup kitchen, hey, you're, you're doing good. You're being the body of Christ again. Whatever. I'm just feeling negative. So hang in there with me. That is one thing. Mm-hmm. But if it is your church and every other church in the city who everyone knows disagrees with each other, getting together and feeding the hungry on the streets, mm-hmm. that that's making the newspaper. Like that's like people will mm-hmm. remember that. That is where you get the gospel out. Interesting. That's good. I like that. Well, Josh, this has been a really fun conversation. I've enjoyed uh, geeking out with you in a different way, talking about the church a little bit. Where can people find a whole church podcast and keep in touch with the episodes? Yeah, so um, the easiest way is wherever you're listening now to just search the whole church podcast, hit that like subscribe or follow button. Um, You can also look us up on Facebook and Instagram and on systematicecology.org. Uh, you can go to host and you can find any of us. Um, if you hit me or TJ, you'll get all the episodes of Systematic Ecology we're on. And if you scroll a little bit lower, it'll have all the whole church stuff on there, too, because we're just kind of making that a one website to have all of our stuff. This podcast is also on the website under Brandon. Yes, it is. Yeah. 
You can find me over there too. All right. Well, before we go, there's one more thing. Uh, up on the, uh, excuse me, on the My Seminary Life Facebook page. If you listen to the episodes, you know that one thing I've started doing is I have a couple new segments where I talk about stuff that I've posted on social media. And I recently posted an article from Relevant Magazine on five cartoons that need a reboot, refresh, you know, whatever you want to call it, a requel. Josh, you commented on it. Why do we need a new Captain Planet <laughs> cartoon? Because let, let me also say, we, we also need the, the um, Team Rocket. The other ones I think we could deal without. But the rocket, the rocket power rocket one. Power. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'm playing Pokemon and it's just on my brain. But <laughs> sure. Yeah. Rocket power. That also needs to come back. But um, I, I personally think, hey, Arnold, it told the story it needed to tell and we can leave it alone. Okay. Um, but Captain Planet, in our current day and age, it is more relevant now than I think it was when I watched it as a kid. But maybe that's because I was a kid at that time. But, you know, when we're talking about sure. trying to switch to green energy, getting electric vehicles out and all of that, A, it's just really relevant. And B, mm -hmm. that kind of um, making those kind of campy heroes cool okay, is something that we've been doing a lot of lately. Um, sure. Captain America, it was just so hard for them to get him right in movies. If you see the mm -hmm. ones that were before the MCU, oh, they're yeah. hilarious, but not because they tried to be. Right. Um, yeah. I enjoy them still, though. But oh, that's yeah. just because I'm weird. But... I, I think that we could do something similar with Captain Planet and make him a Captain America kind of character with cooler powers because hmm. he's basically Captain America with the powers of Avatar the Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> Guess that's true. <laughs> and it's just super cool. I, I'd like to see him in tension with those who are trying to deny that anything's happening at all because, and I think this would be my premise for the movie, how do you okay. save a world that doesn't believe it needs saving? In uh, fact, they fight for trying to save them. How dare you save us? We don't need it. Okay. I think it, it would be. I, I I find I think it would be pretty interesting, personally. Well, I think that is a pretty solid pitch. I don't know if we need a new version of McGee and Me, and I had no idea what that other one was. That was like a computer. Yeah, I was Some, like, what? What is this? I don't. That we don't was, need another uh, of this. <laughs> It we definitely weird. don't need that thing. I don't even know what that one was. Well, hey, man, again, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And thank you to all of you listening for checking out this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed it, make sure you do all of the things, liking, star reviews, whatever it is. Check out our Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod for daily updates. And remember, we are all not on systematic ecology tricked you all remember <laughs> i really thought you're gonna do it <laughs> remember keep on studying